Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Tuesday, December 12th. Today, we're checking in with Sun Business reporter Tamara Chung about the 2024 economic forecast for Colorado adding jobs and trying to avoid a recession. Before we begin, a quick message. Support for today's episode comes from Colorado Water Trust, a statewide nonprofit organization working to solve Colorado's water challenges in the faces of climate change and drought. Learn more about how they're restoring water to Colorado's rivers and join the movement at coloradowatertrust.org. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. In 1871, Colorado Springs was established by Denver and Rio Grande Railroad founder William Palmer. It emerged as a genteel alternative to rough mining towns. Childhood friends from Philadelphia, Charles Tutt and Spencer Penrose, arrived in the late 1880s and early 1890s, respectively, and quickly made their mark. They partnered in December 1892 and amassed substantial wealth investing in real estate and mining. Penrose, known for his flamboyant entry into the city, continued their ventures after Tut's death in 1909. He significantly shaped Colorado Springs in the 1910s and beyond, building the Pikes Peak Road, sponsoring the first Pikes Peak Hill Climb, and transforming a casino and hotel into the luxurious Broadmoor Resort. He also founded the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo and the El Pomar Foundation, leaving a lasting philanthropic legacy upon his death. Before we continue, the Colorado Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing is raising awareness of the invaluable roles of direct care workers and the direct care workforce in Colorado. Direct care workers play a crucial role in enhancing the lives of individuals requiring assistance due to disability, age, or illness. Learn more about the impact of these workers and how to become one by visiting hcpf.colorado.gov direct-care-spotlight. Next, our future story. Thanks for joining us today. I'm David Krause, one of the team editors here at The Sun, and I am happy to be here on a Tuesday to talk a little bit about some business and economy with Colorado Sun business and technology reporter Tamara Chang. Tamara, how's your day going so far? Oh, pretty good. So uh, you, last week, let's talk about uh, a conference you went to last week. I love when you get out in the field and can bring us all this information on these gatherings of the smart ones all talking about money and economy. You were at the annual Colorado Economic Business Outlook event. Something interesting um, always comes out of that meeting, right? So tell us about the Business Outlook event and what was the big buzz there this year? Yeah, so this is an event that happens every year. It's it's sort of spearheaded by economists at the uh, University of Colorado Boulder and the Leeds Business School. I talk to them throughout the year as well to track their, you know, how the year's going. But they sort of spearhead this project that includes uh, getting data and reports from like all the different state agencies from Elizabeth Garner over at the state demographer's office. But they also go regionally um, to the different parts of the state. They look at um, the industry trade reps, uh, you know, any anyone from, you know, the beef industry to uh, small business, uh, everything. So it, it's just like this great one giant report that comes out. Um, where they look at how 2020, you know, the 
current year went and they still offer projections for the following year. And I guess at the high level, I would say, you know, things weren't as bad as they had predicted, you know, a year ago. Um, there was actually more job growth than they thought there would be in, you know, in in this last, let's see, two years or so that interest rates have been going up. Um, you know, it's been kind of a, you know, there's there's been fears, obviously, and talk about a recession coming because, you know, the Federal Reserve is trying to tame inflation. And everyone here in Colorado knows that's been going up in the past year and a half. But uh, when you raise interest rates too much, that is affecting a lot of consumers, industries, construction industry for one. But for the sake of this conversation, define for us real quick, define recession and what they're, you know, when you talk about outlooks and forecasts and projections, all those forward thinking words, what are they basing that on with the definition of a recession? Sure. So sort of the standard view of what caught, like what, what does a recession mean is, um, at least two quarters in a row of the GDP uh, declining. And, uh, you know, we've got national GDP reports um, and it hasn't been declining at least two quarters consecutively. So I think the thought here or, or kind of what I left after this uh, event and talking to the economists and stuff is that, well, it, you know, we didn't have a recession in 2023. 2024, um, not quite sure, of course, but the sentiment, at least from the lead school economists, is that we'll probably have more of a, quote, soft landing, which is we won't be in chaos, I guess. Um, they still are projecting job growth in Colorado for 2024. And, you know, if you think about the bad recession of, well, the great recession from, you know, around 2010, 2008 to 2010 and stuff. I mean, so many people lost jobs. So many industries just declined. Uh, you know, the construction industry, again, was like a huge one. Um, nobody, you know, housing sales uh, totally plummeted. Prices went down and stuff. So it's it's just they don't expect that to happen again because there's these little signs that, hey, you know, there's still some companies hiring. There's actually still some companies renting office space and that was a huge thing. Um, and I, I know we sort of talked about in our pre-discussion here, David, but commercial real estate is um, not going well, <laughs> at least in a lot of urban areas. And that includes, you know, obviously in downtown Denver. Uh, but there's also there's declines in Colorado Springs, you know, and up and down the Front Range. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm happy to get into that as well. Yeah, let's talk about that, right? Because you and I talked about it on our pre-production and we talked about it last week and the week before as you know we talked about our stories and edit and all that but talk about why we're seeing such a huge vacancy rate in denver like you said the springs you know what's the why behind all of that tamra yeah so what is it december 2023 so we're about is that three and a half three and a half years after uh, the pandemic disruption started in 2020. Um, so many things are pointing to why uh, companies are giving up their office space. Obviously, a big one is the move to remote work by a lot of office workers and companies. 
But uh, in the last two years, I would say a lot of the tech companies and finance companies have been doing terribly. When the interest rates went up, a lot of the mortgage industry, you know, lost business because people stopped buying houses or investing in, in new development and stuff. And so, you know, in downtown Denver, there were a lot of construction projects already in the pipeline, you know, in 2019. So a lot of what we see, if you go downtown, walk around, there's still construction, you know, skyscrapers uh, being built. And that's because those were planned projects like a couple years ago. So in an urban area where uh, there's a lot of offices, you've got uh, you've got tenants that have pulled out and, you know, have these long time leases. So they wanted to get out of their long term lease. So they're subleasing their space. And so the newer companies trying to move in, you know, have picked up the subleasing and that that kind of helped the market right after the pandemic. But now what we're seeing is uh, the companies are getting out of those subleases. So now you've got this influx of office space from uh, abandoned subleases. You've got new buildings coming online. So there's more space there. And then you've got uh, what some people are calling zombie buildings, where you know, the spaces are leased, but there's no one inside because nobody works in an office anymore or, you know, to that point. I should say, though, in talking to some of the commercial real estate community that um, they, yeah, it it is a bad time. I mean, one guy mentioned uh, office is a four-letter word, but uh, in talking to the folks at CBRE, which does a lot of the data in the urban areas of Colorado, as well as uh, they do brokerage uh, for commercial office space, they're seeing they're still seeing some companies come in because that means office space can be getting cheaper. So I was talking to Anthony Albanese with CBRE, and he wanted to point out that it's also the types of office space that some of it's struggling more than others. So the newest and nicest stuff, which is considered Class A. That makes up 77% of all the transactions that were done in the third quarter, whereas the older spaces, um, the ones that need more work, those were only 23% of the space. So that share has changed from a year ago where Class B had more space. But the thing is, it's like if you have a choice to be downtown or be in an urban area where the offices are and you know, you can get better space for the same price or, you know, for slightly more. That's what tenants are wanting and that's what they're moving to. So it's kind of these older office sites that are struggling the most. And that's why in areas like Denver, they're trying to look for alternative uses. And there's been, uh, you know, even the city of Denver is looking at converting some of that office space into housing for low-income residents and and people who are homeless. So looking up for these alternative uses means there's going to be a place for these big office buildings that aren't being used anymore. So Tamara, last thing for today, let's end it kind of looking forward, right? You had a really interesting chart in your story, um, your What's Working column looking at projected growth, job growth for 2024, set to add roughly 42,000 jobs and additional jobs next year is kind of the the uh, projection kind of go through i thought it was interesting you broke down the different or they broke down the different sectors talk about tamra construction right because we're talking about 
you know, we've talked about it on the podcast in the past, right? The broadband construction and buildings, and you kind of touched on it, right? But they're projecting a, a over 1% drop, probably losing close to 2,400 jobs in construction next year. What is that based on, Tamara? And, and how do they come to a number like that? Yeah. So even though we're seeing a lot of construction going on in downtown Denver still, because of these projects, as I mentioned, these projects that were already in the pipeline. I mean, just look at what's happening in in your own pocketbook or your neighbors and friends. It's like if you own a house right now and you have a low interest mortgage rate, are you going to sell to buy a different space and pay more for for interest? Probably not. And that's why a lot, you know, there aren't a lot of houses for sale on the market. Um, there's a need for more housing for people, but you know, this whole interest rate thing is infiltrating the whole industry. So at the commercial level and uh, development level, it costs more to build um, because it costs more to take out a loan. So there's going to be less of that is is the prediction. And that's already sort of uh, seen as what's been happening, um, which means um, less construction, fewer jobs, right? There's There's job growth in other areas like for example, we're still strong, well, strong 2.3% growth for professional and business services. And this is kind of like those office jobs where people can work from home remotely, you know, hire educated workers in scientific fields and stuff like that. So, you know, job growth for 2024 is projected to be 1.1%. And this past year, 2023, job growth was higher. So it was 2.2%, I guess, the takeaway here is we're not at zero for next year. We're not um, declining overall, but there are definitely some industries that will decline and others that will continue growing a bit faster than than the overall job market. So that's why uh, recession for uh, at least the economists at CU's business school don't expect a hard recession, but soft landing and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not an expert, so just trying to report what folks around the state are saying. Well, I always appreciate the insight, and you do have such good connections. And like you said, not just for this one conference, but throughout the year, you're always talking with people on the business insider. So I appreciate all that insight and kind of breaking down these numbers, Tamara. And certainly, everyone's always looking forward to what the next year will bring. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening in today. If you want to read this story or more business news around Colorado, go to the coloradosun.com. And at the top, we have the business tab. You can click on there and get all caught up. And as well, you can go to coloradosun.com slash working to sign up for Tamara's free weekly What's Working newsletter. It comes out every Saturday, wraps up the week, like we said, and, and looks ahead as well. So Tamara, really, really appreciate the time today and make it a great week. You too. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. A new program in Denver is giving children from needy families up to $1,000 each to pay for after-school sports, dance, music, or art programs. The help comes in the form of a debit card that only works at 127 organizations with after-school and summer programs. The program, My Spark Denver, is being funded by the city and county of Denver and the nonprofit Gary Community Ventures. It's capped at 4,000 kids and open on a first-come, first-served basis. 
The only requirements are that the kids are in a Denver public school's middle school and that their family qualifies for free and reduced price lunch. It's taking longer to schedule abortions in Colorado and across the U.S. now that roughly half of all states have laws banning or restricting the procedure. Some people seeking abortions have reported waiting up to seven weeks for an appointment or being forced to drive hundreds of miles. Such obstacles have grown more common since Roe v. Wade was overturned in June 2022. Doctors and researchers say this is causing delays that can lead to abortions that are more complex, costly, and in some cases riskier as pregnancies get further along. Colorado officials say their plan to import cheaper medicines from Canada has been held up by opposition from drug makers and inaction by the Biden administration. A state report obtained by KFF Health News says Colorado officials approached 23 drug makers in the past year about an importation program. Only four agreed even to discuss the proposal. None expressed interest in participating. The report was prepared for the state legislature by Colorado's Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing. Lawmakers in both parties at the state and national level have sought for decades to legalize importing drugs from Canada. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. The Colorado Sun is nonpartisan and completely independent. We're always dedicated to telling the in-depth stories we need today more than ever. And the Sun is supported by readers and listeners like you. Right now, you can head to coloradosun.com and become a member, starting at $5 per month for a basic membership, and if you bump it up to $20 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive politics and outdoors newsletters. Thanks for starting your morning with us, and don't forget to tune in again tomorrow.